This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Thanks for uh, listening, making this podcast your choice. Great guest today, but we got some cool information, so hopefully you'll stick around. If you're here for Alex Winter and you just want to fast forward, I, I ask you not to. Uh, and if you like this interview, I hope you'll say, hey, not a bad podcast. Let's subscribe and write a review. Maybe just follow us on our handles, which are? Uh, at Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That is exceptionally true. Uh, we also have uh, cool merch at the Inside of You online store, autographs, Smallville scripts, and Inside of You mugs and tumblers and uh, great stuff. Um, Lex Luthor Funko Pops autograph. It's time. It's the holiday season if you want to get these. Uh, also, go to sunspin.com, my band, Sunspin. Our album just came out. We have new merch. We have a new CD you can get signed or not signed and a calendar with me and all the months of the year with Rob. Uh, that's there. Mugs, tons of stuff. Sunspin.com. And you can use, well, I don't know if the code's going to be on there, so I won't say that. But anyway, go there, sunspin.com. Uh, and also, Tom and I will be at, uh, I guess this airs Tuesday. So we'll be in Columbus this weekend coming for a con. Columbus, Ohio, Saturday night, Smallville nights. We do an event, Tom and I. It's a wonderful event. You'll like it. And the following week, we'll be in Pittsburgh signing autographs at Steel City Com. Uh, and I'm also on the Cameo. If there's a Christmas, you want me to say something for Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, go to Cameo. Get it reserved now. Uh, Ryan? Yo. It was kind of cool. My friend Chris McDonald, not to be confused with Happy Gilmore, McDo Chris McDonald. He lives in Atlanta. And he was at a comic book store with his wife. And he was like, man, Rosenbaum would love this store. Action figures and stuff. And the owner goes, uh, are you talking about Michael Rosenbaum? He's like, yeah. He's like, you, you know him? I was like, yeah, he's my best friend. And the guy's like, I love him. Uh, his podcast, he has such a soothing voice. God. That's what Chris told me. Hold God. on. Can I play the audio just so you don't think I'm bullshitting you? Can <laughs> I do on. it? Sure, yeah. I'm going to do it. So listen to this. This is crazy. I was at this old historic area uh, of the suburb in Atlanta called Lawrenceville. And uh, there was a cool comic and collective shop. The guy had it all these crazy old comics man um and all these crazy old collector items like star wars action figures the original obi-wan kenobi out of the 12 set all this crazy stuff and i was there with brenda nelson and i was just like man you know who love this store because they have lunch boxes all this stuff i said rosenbaum and the guy the owner said rosenbaum you wouldn't mean michael rosenbaum <laughs> it was so random i said yeah yeah and he goes that's crazy i just assumed you met him because I'm obsessed with this podcast and I know he, I just know about him and I know that he collects. I said, that's crazy. And he goes, yeah, man, his podcast is hands down the best podcast out there. You know, there are all these people who have podcasts and it's just meaningless. They just like to hear themselves talk, but he gets to the root of mental health and this and that and blah, blah, blah. My favorite one, he was naming his favorite episodes and he was saying in his voice, he has such a soothing radio voice it's like listening to the old school radio host that's just like 
my god yeah man he's a huge inside of you fan and he loves that you're a collector and everything man it's crazy so i just you know i just said man if he ever comes to visit me we'll come by this store because he's gonna love this store so the guy was over the moon but just letting you know man you got a huge inside of you fan out there <coughs> it was cool man but man <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. Dang. It was just sweet and it brightened my day that somebody out there was like, you know, I know that we have listeners and people who are devoted and, and love the podcast, but you know, that my friend experienced that in Atlanta at a comic book store and it was so yeah. random. I just I thought I got a kick out of it. I really got a kick out of it. And uh thanks, Chris, for brightening my day. You all brighten my day with with messages like that. Um that's pretty much it. I think we can get into it. Uh, we had a great podcast. I've been trying to get this guy for a while. My friend Jason Patrick, who Lost Boys, great actor, uh, is friends with him. They work together on Lost Boys, and um, I met him at Jason Patrick's son's concert. And I was like, hey, could you get Alex? He's like, yeah. He came over to the house and was just open, willing to talk about Lost Boys, willing to talk about Bill and Ted and Keanu and his life and what he's doing it just it was very fun to have him here he's iconic he's he's a legend it was great and i think you guys are gonna really enjoy this you enjoy this didn't you it was great yeah, oh, yeah. I, I loved it um so anyway here it is let's get inside of alex winter it's my point of view you're listening to inside of you with michael rosenbaum Inside of you is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Synaletic. I've been using this stuff, Ryan, for focus. Uh, I just feel better, a sense of well-being. If you want to help resist aging at the cellular level, you got to try Qualia Synaletic. Um, have you heard about Synaletics, Ryan? Uh I have a little bit, but why don't you tell me about it? It's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime. Your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why we use Qualia Senolytic. If someone would have told me that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I, you know, I wouldn't have believed it. And then I tried Qualia Synaletic. And just to let you guys know, I was trying this stuff before they became a sponsor, and I've said this before, but it's important to know because I love this product before they were the, uh, our sponsor. And I felt like it was working for me. I felt like I had a focus. I just felt my memory, everything, uh, sense of well-being. I just felt better. And um, I know people, listeners that have come up to me saying how much it works for them. And I like that. I like that it's it's not just me that notices the effects, but everyone else around me. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with the middle age feeling, also known as zombie cells. 
They are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. It's kind of like pruning and the yellowing uh, of, of dead leaves off a plant. Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And you get a 100-day money-back guarantee. Um, like I said, my energy levels are up. I feel younger when I take it. I feel more focus, less aches and pains, and Lord knows I have those. Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. First of all, did you notice anything weird in this room? No, though I like all the posters. Yeah, did you notice that one over there? Uh, no, I didn't see that coming in. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I had... Uh... Jason and Kiefer over here for the podcast. Yeah, Jason told me. It was really fun. They yeah. were great. They were really great. And they were <laughs> Kiefer sitting right in front of it. He was like, oh, geez, you're a nerd. Yeah. Of course, you got to get in there. You know, it's one of those things where you're probably tired of talking about everything except your awesome documentaries. It's like, I don't want to talk. Or do you care? I don't really care. I've been doing this so long. You get, you know, you get not inured to it, but... You know, when you're talking to cool people or people ask you interesting questions or whatever, there's always something to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times the Bill and Ted questions get very repetitive, but I don't know. It was a fun time in my life, so I don't normally mind talking about any of it. Yeah, I think you if know? it was a terrible time and you hated working with Keanu, and, yeah. and then you were like, you know, I don't really, you know, it's, it would suck. Yeah, that's the thing. And Jason and I were talking about recently was just like we – you know, with the Lost Boys thing, it was such a seminal experience and age that we enjoy talking about and we enjoyed being together. You know what I mean? Like the whole gang enjoyed each other. So it's You've a, been friends since that movie. Yeah, I've known Kiefer and Jason since then. I mean, obviously we've all gone our separate ways. Um and uh and I didn't live in it. I left LA in like '93 and didn't come back until 2005. So where'd you go? I had a production company in London, and I worked out of the UK. And I lived in upstate New York, and I lived in England. So wow. I literally, I just sort of hit pause on the Hollywood. Were thing. you over it? I, I was. I'd started it professionally at nine years old. I'd I'd worked pretty much nonstop until I was 25. And after Bill and Ted 2, I really, I was already directing. I'd gone to film school. I was already, yeah. you know, making commercials and music videos. And we had a TV show on MTV. And then we eventually made a feature. And after that, I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, and I literally like called my agents who were lovely. And I just said, look, I'm going to split because I'm not going to go out on call. So there's no point in me being at this agency <laughs> anymore. Um, and I left. 
Do you know I've I, I don't know how many times I've thought of that. <laughs> I just want to go and yeah. I was like, you know, I'm gonna move back to Indiana. Right. And then my friend's like, dude, what are you gonna do in Indiana? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It's close to stuff. Right. To Chicago right. and St. Louis. And it's like, what are you gonna do? Like, I've got an ice rink. I'll play some men's league hockey. I'll uh, I'll have a house. There's seasons. Yeah. I'll I'll ha- I'll have fall and winter and summer and spring. Yeah. It's just different. It's like, dude, you're gonna get so bored. You have no friends there. I go, well, I have old childhood friends right, that's right and they're I was just probably like, cops now but yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and they always just talk yeah. talk me out of it i mean i think i think that if they were all like you should man i think you'd have a really nice time yeah. i'd probably listen to them yeah but i really trust my friends even though i get aggravated by their honest thoughts on right. the whole thing yeah and they're like you would just you'd go bananas yeah and i always think that having like a a little lake behind you and a nice peaceful house but then i'm like but you still have to live with yourself you do yeah there you are That's in the mirror the everyone. yeah and, and i love the industry and i love what i do um but when you start really young i think it's kind of healthy to to have some time away yeah um, i would say because I, I, it's just a constant you know when you're in the the you, you've never really had that sort of sort of regular life constant if you start that young yeah like it's a good thing to have at some point i didn't know you started so young yeah. i mean i i think i probably would have gone absolutely insane i'm a very <laughs> immature person right. and if um you know i didn't get my first big thing smallville till i was like 27 yeah or something yeah but that was like the big break. And yeah. I think if that hit me when I was nine right. or 10 or even 15, 18, yeah. I, I, I would lose my mind. I wouldn't know what to do. I didn't have the maturity. I didn't have the wherewithal. I didn't, I I, I probably would have gotten some trouble. Yeah. And uh, all what of else those do you things. Know? I think I'm, I think I've ticked every box that you just mentioned, but yeah. really? Yeah, sure. It's inevitable. I mean, it's inescapable and it's okay. There's ways of, of getting through all that, but it's inescapable. It's, it's, you know, as a director, I've worked with kids a lot and I always have. And I talked to a lot of moms, you know, they're always like, you know, what should we do? Like you went through it. And I was like, well, you could just pull them out you know <laughs> yeah right it's and like, you're that's serious the, that's the safest thing you could do is you yeah. could pull them out but if you're going to keep men then you got to be all over it because it's a lot yeah for kids that young i gotta say this is going to come off weird you might take you might be upset with me there's no size. weird question i'm honest to god i don't envy you i'm glad i had a childhood yeah even though dysfunctional family and all this all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I wasn't immersed in this business so early on. Yeah. And that I had friends to walk around our little neighborhood and cut through yards and drink out of garden hoses and catch fireflies and play wiffle ball in the backyard and be a kid. Yeah. And kind of get lost and just get into mischief. And it just seems like you didn't have that. I did actually, you but did. you have that and the job on top of it. Like I had summer camps and I had my buddies and I had my running around back alleys and I had all of that. Okay. But I had, and so it's, you know, to, to be fair to my parents, I think they thought I had a normal childhood, but applied on top of that was I was on Broadway and I was doing eight shows a week, including two on Saturday and two on Sunday and two on Wednesday. How old were you here? Uh, I was on Broadway from age 13 to age 17 every day. Wow. Um, and then I was doing shows before that and auditioning all the time and all that from, and I was doing commercials and theater and stuff from like 10 to 13. Um, 
And so that's like, uh, that's applied on top of the normal life. It's like you have this life and then you have that thing on top of the life. So, you know, to, to your point, like, I think what saved my sanity was that I had that alternative life, but the stressors of trying to manage both are very intense at that age and will bite you on the ass on some level. It's just inescapable. Do you think kids, when you start acting at a young age, it's beneficial in some ways because is there a lack of that sort of anxiety ridden thing that we get as adults, the older we get, we care more. We we're obsessed with being great. We're like, when you're a kid, you sort of let things go. That's why you see some great child actors that are just awesome. And you're like, how do they do that? Like the Joel, what's his name? Haley Joel Haley Osmond. Osmond. Yeah. And you're like, what? Is, or Jodie Foster or Elijah yeah. Wood or I mean, exactly. Henry Thomas. Um, I think that, that, I mean, I wouldn't presume to speak for anyone else but myself because everybody's different. But yeah. I think that um, for me, I actually had a love of stage, which is why my parents let me do it at a really young age. I was dancing. I mean, my parents were dancers, but they were modern dancers. So they weren't in the industry at wow. all, like at all, at all. Um, but I loved tap and I loved theater and I love being on stage and I'm really young. I got on stage at like five, six, seven. So, and I was taking dance class at three, four, five, six. Um, gosh. So I was like all singing, all dancing and they were like, Oh my God, we got to get out of his way. And so they didn't want to not let me do it. Cause I, I loved it so much. Um, and that's different. Like when I, when I talked to other kids, uh, and I made a documentary for HBO called showbiz kids, Yeah, talked to a lot of kids for that. And there were some, you know, um, who were just all singing, all dancing and it made sense. And like, if you're their parent, what are you going to do? You know? Yeah. Um, but it's a lot for the parent. If they're, if once you get into, you know, if you have some success, um, and so to answer your question, I don't know how much it matters. I think that for me personally, my trajectory, you know, I was on Broadway. I got hired by Yul Brynner. I was like working with very high end people, very young, but I didn't start studying intensely until my early twenties. Like I had actually almost finished my career before I was like, okay, now I want to really study. And wow. I, you know, I'd gone through film school even. I was like, no, I want to work with like really high end method people. And you went to NYU. I went to NYU for film. I didn't study acting at all at NYU. Um, and so I came out and I was like, I just want to train. And I just started training even when I wasn't acting professionally. So I kind of rebuilt my own craft later. Um, that's rare, huh? Which is just a weird, this is because I like act. I mean, I do have the bug. I love it. Um, you still love it. I absolutely, I I adore it. And I'm, I'm happy to be back doing it again. I've been training like heavily for the last 15 years. Training. Yeah. Vocal, physical. You still do that all the time. I train all the time. Are you serious? I never hear this. It's one of my favorite things to do though. I think you have to like doing it. I don't think every, I remember talking, I won't name the actor because he's a very famous actor. I remember talking to a friend of mine who's very famous and I was, we were talking about training. He's like, I never train. I just hate it. And I never do it. And he's got a great career. So God bless him. But I, I just love it. I love singing lessons. I love doing Alexander training work. I love all of it. You that. do it every week. I do it all the time. Yeah. Intensely. Well, I mean, I have scene a Scene study, you memorize but, lines, yeah, you yeah, go scene. in, you I'm work always with your doing coach. a scene. Exactly. Yeah. And you, you take your scenes to him, to a coach to do work on exactly. auditions. Yeah, I do that too. Um, that's almost like a separate thing, but I, but I'll work my auditions with my coach, but I'll just run scenes all the time. And like all through COVID, I was doing like Henry the fifth and like all this crazy Shakespeare stuff just for fun. Um, you and, find that fun. I do. Yeah. That is. <laughs> 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about BetterHelp, and it has helped a lot of people, a lot of my friends and family, and uh, it's just so important. I, I find therapy to be so helpful in so many different ways. A lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify. You've heard me talk about Shopify. It's because I use Shopify. I love it. It's so easy to use. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch or online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Why it's so easy is when I want to add a product, you just go to your Shopify page, and under products, you hit products. It says add a product. And then you go in there, and you add a picture of your product, which is self-explanatory right there. A little description, how much it weighs, how many of the item you have, and you're ready for business. It's so easy, and I say that because I can do it. And the analytics are easy to see what your best-selling product is and uh, you know what's not selling so you don't reorder things that aren't working. And it's just so easy to use, and I, uh, I really dig it. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Yeah, I sell t-shirts and and tumblers and scripts and whatever you want to sell it doesn't matter you can do it on shopify once you start selling shopify makes getting paid simple by instantly accepting every type of payment shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36 percent better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. I, I mean, it's always a lot to me when somebody says you have to memorize all this and you have to, it's like, it's a job yeah, and you have to be great in auditions. I hate auditioning. I don't like, audi like I'm not insane. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like auditioning. I right. like, I like acting. Right, right, right. right. Uh, you know, if you're doing scenes with a really great coach, there's nothing more free than that other than doing like black box theater, right? Where it's just like, come if you feel like it, don't if you don't feel like it. Auditioning sucks. 
Yes. And I've hated auditioning since I was started auditioning. It just sucks. It's the Are worst. you good at it though? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, what kind of feedback? You know, I've had this these questions yeah. and these conversations with other actors and they're like, you know, all casting directors will always give you feedback feedback to your agency. He was great. He's just he's just not they're going in a different direction. Or he's right. great. We haven't made a decision. Yeah. He's always great. He's always great. And I'm like, I got to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. I can't always be great. Not everybody's great. And I talked to a casting director and I go, "Why do you casting directors always say great? He was great." He goes, "Honestly, it's because if that person becomes a star or that person becomes exactly, a demand, yeah. we want to bring him in." So they sort of lie. And which it's easier to say he did a good job, but we're not, you know. Yeah. Instead of saying your client is one of the worst actors I've ever seen, what a piece of shit that was. Yeah. He didn't take any time. I mean, occasionally you'll get some, but like. But that requires a lot of hubris. <laughs> like you think about, I'm reading one of, um, I love reading uh, uh, to Anthony Scherer's books. The you know the the South African uh, Shakespearean actor who died not too long ago, and he was saying um passages just reading the other day about how he applied to every major british acting school when he first got to england and he was rejected like you just said by like rada said not only were you terrible but you should absolutely not act you know and 15, really? 15 years later he was knighted and doing every major shakespeare part at the as the you know the top actor at the rsc so i think to be fair to casting directors they don't know Right, I think it's safer for yeah, them yeah. to say someone was great because they don't know. You might have had a shitty day. You may be great. You know, I think that what did help That's me true. being a young actor, as far as that goes with auditioning, um, was I started so young and I got a lot of affirmation from people like Yul Brynner and folks like that who were like, well, like, look, you know, you've got something. Keep working on it. Don't listen to anyone. Don't read reviews. And I, that was some really good advice. Just do the work that you think is good, like within yourself. That's the best you can do. And I know that that's like to an actor, like, you know, you hear that and you're like, yeah, right. If you have a bad day, you're like, that's not going to penetrate your head. Right? Right, right. You're just going to think, oh, I'm just, I just suck. Um, <laughs> but it does resonate in my head. And that's one of the reasons I like to train is like, if I do, I might have a shitty audition and I've just done an amazing run with my Shakespeare monologue with my coach. And I know I don't suck. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I wasn't either right for it or I didn't hit it right. Or somebody was rude in the, in the casting room and it set me off or whatever. Um, you know, you have to have nerves still to do any of this stuff Yeah, and you have to smile and, but I direct a lot. And so I'm on the other side of that equation a lot. And, I, and it, you know, I, I, and it helps me in my doc work a lot. Cause I really care about making the people I'm working with feel comfortable and that they can trust me and that that's genuine and that I have their back. Yeah. Cause as an actor, huge. you often don't have anyone who has your back. Yeah. Do you, are you, do you let things go pretty quickly? Like, uh, I learned to, when I audition for something, I'll leave, as I'm leaving, I'll take the sides and I'll just throw them in the trash. And then once I close that door, I forget about it. I'm a hundred percent that way. And, and often what I really try to do and have, have, and do much better as an adult than I did when I was a young actor is I just, I'm just grateful. I mean, you know, I'll say this to you because you're an actor because some people would just think it's bullshit, but I'm just grateful for the opportunity to act, period. For the opportunity to explore a character, right? Even if I'm wrong for it. Like that's something that came with a little bit more maturity. Like I'll read the size. I'm like, that is literally the opposite of me, but this is awesome. Like I get to try to figure out what version of that character would be me. I'm sure they won't cast me because like I wouldn't cast me for this. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have fun exploring like this weird guy that's not at all like me, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. 
Wow. You're um, an anomaly. Well, it's also, <laughs> I am and I'm not. I have another job. You know what I mean? I have a whole other career directing my docs and I have a company and I'm not normally needing the acting job to pay my bills. Right. So, and again, it's not like I'm so privileged, like I'm just like independently wealthy. I do need to work. Like I'm out in the world. You have alive. a family. Yeah. yeah. I have like life and health insurance and, you know, I've never been like, you know, I'm not a trust fund kid. Right. 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 I'm really not unwealthy family uh, to put it mildly. So it's not like I'm cavalier in that way, but I, I feel like I'm just there to do the best character that I can do. And I have gratitude um, to be able to find a character that I can fuck with kind of, yeah. you know, but to your point, absolutely. I leave and I'm like, that's my take. I'm done. Like if you get it, it's almost, it's weird. It's like when I get things done, I'm just kind of like, Oh, I kind of felt I did this already. <laughs> like, <laughs> like showing up to do it for you is like, right. I'm just, I'll just do it again, you know, <laughs> but it was done. We did it. I, you know, yeah. the difference is a lot of people and I'm sure I, I no, I'm not, I'm sure I've done this. But I'll be sent something. I go, oh, this is absolutely not me. They're never going to cast me this. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not going to sit there and take three days to learn these lines yeah. and be, try to be great in something they will not cast me in. Yeah. So I don't do that. You take the challenge as an exercise. Yeah. You've always done that? No, I have not. When I was younger, I, I did not do that. It made me crazy. I would read something and just be like, God, this is such a waste of my time. I am not going in on this. There's no way. Or, I, or they'd cajole me into doing it, and I would, and I wouldn't get it, and I'd be like, there's no way I was going to get that. Um, but I was not mature, you know? Yeah, and maybe that's my problem. No, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that's your problem. I think, I think I get a lot, of, a lot of grounding from the fact that I don't have, the stakes are lower for me because I'm usually about to start another dock or whatever, and I just, it's fine if I'm not going to get that. It's okay. I have nothing to lose. Right. Um, and then I think the other thing that helped me was because I spent so many intervening years directing because like the whole chunk of time when I left the business, I was directing primarily commercials and indie films and what kind of scripts. commercials. I mean, I did tons, but I do a lot of, um, sort of effects driven, big comedy. It was in the UK. So the oh, ads wow. there are pretty cool and their yeah. comedy is very smart smart and sophisticated and oftentimes we were building big sets and doing fun crazy physical things wow um and the actors are really good and because they don't have a, a giant film community you know you would have terry gilliam's production designer you'd have kubrick stolly grip like it was crazy wow so the quality of the people around me was very high and i learned a lot uh, but I also auditioned all the time uh, actors and I would watch actors come in who were like, if I was the guy who was like, I'm, I would be like, why are they even here? They're so not right for it. And then they would do something great and they would totally turn my own thinking around. And that got me to think, you know what? I don't know everything. You never know. What you just thinking. don't know. Right. And it's like, and I would cast someone who was so not even what I thought I was going to cast. Like, that's like, this is the opposite of the type that we asked for. And then they like, I'm like, wow, that's such an interesting take. Let's go that way. Or let's find something for him. Yeah. Or exactly. Or absolutely. Next time let's put them like, this is the person who's going to do X. So I think that's helped me a lot now too, of just like thinking. And the other aspect of that, when you're on the other side of it is like, everybody's under stress. Yeah. You know, casting's under stress. Directors are under stress. Everyone has a boss. Everyone's under stress. And that's also very, that really levels the playing field. And I came back to acting just like, we're all 
slugging it away together in the same trench, right? Yeah. In the same foxhole, whatever side of the camera we're on. And that makes you just kind of go, yeah, I'm just going to go have fun and like do the best I can with this character and and not sweat it. Did you listen to Yul Brenner and other people about not reading your reviews and not? He got mad at me. It was like one of the only times he got, he was a lovely, genteel, amazing guy and was one of the best mentors I ever had. And I was very young when I worked with him. Um, the only time he didn't lose his temper, but the only time he kind of got short with me was we had just gone from Broadway. We ended up out at the Pantages on the national tour and I got, I got singled out in a really bad review. (laughs) Singled out is in a good way. As in the show. No, 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 Oh, you were the bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As in the show is great, except the only problem with this show. Are you serious? Is this kid Alex Winter. That had to kill you. And I was 13 and I was like, you know, my first big show and I'd just come from doing it on Broadway and it was, it was amazing, but it was very intense, you know? Um, and I went, I was really hurt and I went to Brenner and I was like, God, I just got this crushing review. And he was like, no, stop, stop, stop. Do not read the reviews. Do not read the reviews. You do the best you can do. I'm here to tell you you're great. Fuck the reviews. And I was like, well okay then <laughs> and that was it for reviews no but no. it was it was it was strengthening yeah you know i understood the the note behind the note as they say right. um and i certainly take them less seriously and now i have i honestly you know i get reviewed all the time especially for my film work and i i get as much i actually like reading reviews to see if i can mine anything constructive from them sure sometimes they hurt i'm not impervious to that but I do find I get a lot out of good or bad reviews. Have you ever talked to someone who reviewed it and just be like, what, what do you have something against me? What the <laughs> fuck? Why, why, why did you write? Why would you write this? It's it, that bad. It's kind of like internet trolls though. When you actually meet your internet troll, they're always like super nice and, <laughs> and like backpedal at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. So anytime I've met critics, like even if they're friends of mine who have slagged me, they're always super nice. And I don't know. It's much, you know, be, being behind a pen or a keyboard is is emboldening. Yeah. Right? Jesus, man. Were you old? I mean, it sounds like you had a pretty good upbringing, right? I did. You know, I think my parents, my parents were crazy bohemian artists, but they were lovely as well. Um, and I had a lot of admiration for them. Uh, Are they still with us? Uh, my mom is. My dad's been gone for a while. Wow. Um, he ran a dance company in the Midwest in St. Louis, modern dance company, and my mom was a dancer. And, you know, that was when I made the Zappa doc, one of the reasons I wanted to make it was I felt very a lot of affinity for those kids. Not literally, because I didn't know them, you know, than meeting them around Hollywood or whatever. But, yeah, the house is like right yeah, there. Yeah, sh- I, he- I shot here. Like, I was there every day for a very long time. Um, but... Uh, but I grew up in a very similar household with like two parents who were very bohemian during the sexual revolution. And the house was a little nuts. And people over, mingling. People over all the time, waking uh, up with naked bodies walking around. Really? Two modern dancer parents, you know. Um, so naked dongs walking around and other all things. Of the women. Above. Yes, all of the above. Did, and you were yeah. kind of used to it? You got I got used, used to, to it? it. I mean, I had, we were in St. Louis mostly because my mom taught at Wash U, and it was a very <laughs> suburban normal existence on the one hand and a super crazy bohemian existence on the other. Um, And so it was, I mean, it was an interesting upbringing and I got an enormous amount out of it. And my parents were very brilliant and very inspiring, but definitely crazy bohemian folks. 
So, so it smelled like potpourri and like a pure one imports. And not some not that bad, thankfully. Yeah, no, they weren't. They weren't. They weren't like you know. She was a college professor at a major university, right. and like you know, um, so just eccentric and yes, or open, free. Yeah, yeah. Free. And I got myself to school usually and figured out how I was getting home and you know at a very young age. So you knew your parents were sort of sleeping with different people and things and yeah. having fun. Yeah. And that didn't strike you as odd. It I did, but I dealt with it. I mean, I was a regular suburban kid. My friends would come over and be like, um, just don't look out that window. Because if you look out that window, you're going to see my mom and her boyfriend naked sunbathing. Would people comment to you in high school like, oh, there's winners. Family's weird. No, by high school, I was living, I was on Broadway and I was like, I was the weird one, right? Right. Um, but uh, no, this was like elementary school and stuff. Inside You is brought to you by Rocket Money. Boy, Ryan, have we talked about rocket money a lot. We sure have. Well, it's something that is easy to talk about because it's saving everyone, including myself and you, money. Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? Before I started using rocket money, I thought I had about um, 15 subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for 20 subscriptions each month. Between streaming services, fitness apps, and delivery services, it's never-ending. Thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. In fact, I had this trial period for something that I was considered using. Mm -hmm. And then you go in there, and you realize, oh add-ons are $4.99 or this is $3.99 and then you want to give it a shot so you kind of add these add-ons which add a hell of a lot to what you're originally spending and then you forget about it for like three months mm -hmm. you're like what am i doing this, this should be against the law but the closest thing you could do uh then to fight these claims is have rocket money do it for you uh, with Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. And I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll even help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. This is what I need. I need people like this in my life. I need apps like this in my life. I need rocket money in my life, Ryan. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inside of You is brought to you by Patreon, my level of patrons. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. It truly helps the podcast. Top tiers get things like packages sent to them every few months, notes from me, YouTube lives, um, questions with me, and the list goes on. Please support the podcast. We couldn't do this without you. Patreon.com slash inside of you. Good Lord. Yeah. I used to remember walking home thinking my mom was having an affair and I was thinking of ways to kill the guy if, <laughs> if I came there and she was with him and I was like, I'm going to kill this guy. And I'm like yeah. eight years old walking up the street. Yeah. And like, and meanwhile, you're just like, it's just a wow. Yeah. But I mean, that's I was cool that you yeah. just like, you know, you had a good head on your shoulders. I'm sure they sat with you and said, hey, this is the deal. They were, it was the 70s. So yeah, it was all very, there was a lot of talking going on, you know. Has she changed, mom? Well, yeah, she's in her 80s. Thank she's Christ in her 80s she's changed. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to see that. Yeah. 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 I mean, she's just an awesome New York New Yorker now. How know? old were you when your parents divorced? Eight. Did that affect you, you think? Yeah. Yeah, for sure it did. Like, what did it, what, what, what do you I mean, remember? it was, it was, I mean, every, it was the 70s and it was like, you know, the ice storm, right? It was like everybody's parents were fighting. Everyone's parents were divorcing. Everybody's parents was having affairs, but you didn't want it to be your parents, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, and I, my parents were both really interesting artists and I, I looked up to both of them so much. Um, they were both sort of like lived this, what I just thought was a sort of extraordinary life. You know, they were just human beings at the end of the day, but it was, so it was a little crushing in that way where you really wanted them to be this allegiance. Yeah. Um, And then I moved away. My mom and I moved to New York when I was quite young, when I was 12. So I lived pretty far away from my dad after that. And how often did you see him? Mm, You know, not as often as I would have liked. But you talked on the phone? Yeah, yeah, we were very close, but... uh, you know, my dad was uh, was a very was a very all in choreographer and very in his own world. And I mean, I think I said this to Ahmet or Moon or someone when I was working on Zap, but like I understood coming up in a Bohemian family where Dad was a little unattainable. You right. know, where he was cool but unattainable. And if you got to him, you usually got to him through his work. It was yeah. a bit like that. So there wasn't like any, we talk about emotions or affection. Did you feel like there was a lot of affection with I you? I think there was a lot of affection. There wasn't a lot of of committed presence. Like I, looking back on it now, because I've got three boys. I mean, one of them is a stepson, but I've been with me forever. Yeah, I met him at the whiskey. That's, you did. You met, my, you met my youngest at the whiskey. That's my kid. You met him at the whiskey, Jules. Right. Yeah, because yeah, uh, Jason Patrick... Yeah, uh, mutual friend was his son Gus was playing amazing just show. Kicked ass. Oh my and I god, saw such you there. a great yeah, show! Yeah, it was so awesome. great. My son loved it. He was just like mesmerized. They're the same age. I can't um, believe he could do that at that age. Inc- it was inc- and be on stage. Like it's that's. 
balls. I mean, and uh, yeah. not Ahmed Zappa, but Dweezil. Dweezil. Yeah, it helps him. I think it's helping him. Yeah, he's been he's helping an extraordinary him. Extraordinary yeah. guitar player. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, but go ahead. So I mean, it's just it's you look back on it when you've got your own kids because I I love I just happen to love parenting. I don't think it's a job for everyone. I've told many of my friends like, should I have kids? I'm like, not if you don't want them. Not if you don't want to be a dad. No harm or foul in not doing that. You know, we don't need more people who don't want to be parents being parents. Yeah. I don't think my dad was cut out for parenting. You know, I think my dad didn't really know what on earth to do with kids. So we just didn't. Really? <laughs> yeah. So we, we became a lot closer as I got older um, because I was an artist and he was an artist and we just had a, you know, a lot more in common. But I don't think my dad was cut out for dadhood. Is, is being a father, is it? How hard is it? I mean, it's a job in a way, right? And so it requires certain instincts, I think, that come with having a job that you like. Um, you know, when you're an actor, you have the, you know, I think you you probably tell friends of yours this who want to act or, or people that are young that ask you about like acting. It is easy and it's really hard, right? It is genuinely both of those things. But if you love it, the hard stuff's okay. Like it's a lot of work. It's, it makes you vulnerable. There are really bad days. You have to be at the top of your game all the time. Parenting is kind of like that if you're going to be any good yeah. at it. Right? Yeah. So it's like, it is a lot of work, but if you like it, it's you enjoy the work. And that's kind of how I've always felt about it. Um, I genuinely love, I mean, there are times when I'm just like, like I want to leave the business, but it, like my priorities are like more my kids than the work where I'm just like, I'm right. going to like not do this job and I'm just going to make sure I'm with my kid. Like, and I've taken certain directing jobs just to like, have my kids involved. And so like I did a, a couple of movies, Ben 10 movies for Cartoon Network is my, yeah. I, I was going through a divorce and my youngest, my kid at the time was a Ben 10 fanatic. And I was like, I'm going to just do these Ben 10. I mean, I'll have fun. I, was, I, I wanted to do them, but like Lee will just be able to hang out, <laughs> be immersed in Ben 10, get his mind off the shit that's going on at home. Yeah, And like, he's into arts. He could design creatures. And I don't know. I just think that's, if you like being a, that's like my dad would never have occurred to my dad, right? Like that's right. a different, different mindset. Yeah. But you knew at a young age, you, you're already performing at, yeah. at a young age. So you fell in love with it. Were you more, cause a lot of times people will say, actors will say, I, I just want to do theater. That's all I ever wanted to do. And other people say like myself, I was like, I did a lot of theater and I, yeah. I just want to do film and TV now. I, I don't really, that's, it's too much. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Because you haven't done theater in a long time, right? I got to tell you, man, I, if I, on the acting front, if I could do anything I wanted acting wise, I would only do, I would only do theater. Really? Honest to God. But it's, it's, I love movies. They're great. TV, awesome. I really do. And nowadays I think some of the best storytelling on the planet is going on in TV just because of the way the business is, has evolved. Some, certainly some of the best writing, some of the best acting yeah. is on TV. So I don't have a snob. It's not a snobbery thing, but I came up to, I mean, I started, I got on stage at five, you know, I was on Broadway from 13 to 17. They did the King and I did, I did Peter Pan, Peter Pan. I, did off I did really some really lovely high end off Broadway with some really good directors and writers. And I miss the stage so much and I would do it if I could, but I don't, I don't have any, any snob. And I love, I just love acting. Like I was on a set, um, so I started doing more acting again recently. I was on a set with my friend Lexi Alexander's movie in Nevada, this thing for Netflix. And I'm not the lead. I'm just a supporting character. So I was just sitting, you know, as you are when you're doing that, I was sitting on set a lot waiting to do a scene or something on a day and just watching a couple of actors in a pool of light, darkness all around, doing their scene, very quiet, hundreds of people watching them silent. 
And I was like, this is the best job in the world. I mean, it is magic. So you really love it. I do. You I really love have it. a passion for this. Yeah, I do. And I, I don't, it doesn't have to be theater, but I, I just love, I love the stage. Do you think you wanted to be famous or you didn't, you didn't occur to you? I mean, when we, when we sleep, look, I'm not going to age us, but when people like <laughs> our age started, there was no social media, right? There was no, there Instant was, gratification there was no, exactly. And, there know. was no celebrity because you're on a TV show, right? Like, you know, I, like we were, we were joking around, like I was on Broadway, everyone in high school, because I went to a regular public high school in New Jersey. I took the bus in every day. My mom did that intentionally. So I'd have a normal life. It was a really good move on her part. I wasn't at a professional kid's school. But the kids in my school didn't give a shit, right? I wasn't famous. Right. I would come out of the stage door and sign autographs for an hour. But it wasn't, I didn't go home and think I'm famous. You know, I'd go right. home and my kids would be like, winner. You know, I heard you lost another soccer game because you suck, right? <laughs> and uh, it wasn't, that was, and that was fine. You know, it, right. it was healthy. Um, so I didn't have that kind of pressure on me, even though it was on Broadway, which was a big deal in a way, perform it professionally. Um, so it didn't really occur to me in a way. And so when I did Bill and Ted, like Lost Boys, you know, it was like mini fame, right? Like what, it, when you got that and it came out, were people starting to recognize you? Even the, I don't know if you talked about this with Kiefer and, oh yeah, I listened to that. Yeah, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> but when I did Lost Boys, and they're probably too modest to talk about this, but when I did Lost Boys, it was a little different. It was like a bigger production than anything else I'd kind of encountered. And it felt special going in. Um, and I know Kiefer, I'm, I know Kiefer and Jason felt the same way. Um, it was just because of Joel, because of Marion Darty, because of Warner Brothers. I felt like, wow, I'm part of something a little bigger than anything I've experienced. It was a small part. So I didn't think I was going to be famous off of that role. I didn't have any idea the film was going to have the legs that it's had. Um, but it, but it felt special, you know, when, right. like, I'm sure Smallville was the same. Yeah, you know, part of something that feels like this is good. This when is you different. get a break, you kind of know it's a break. Yeah. You know, that feeling like yeah. you're kind of like, Oh, this is different. This is like not the same shit that yeah. I've experienced before. Um, and so, you know, your life's going to change in some little way. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just knew it. And uh, yeah, me too. I, I feel like most of the time you're like going, I, I don't know. I hope this is good. Yeah, exactly. I, I hope, yeah. I hope it, it turns out really yeah. great. I hope this is, and, but when you're in something that you, sort of innately, you're like, I just know this is good. Yeah. It's a shift, right? This it's is, weird. It's a weird shift. Yeah. It's like, wow. I'm on something that people will see. Yeah. And it's not hubris. I, don't, I mean, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm so great or anything. No. It was just like, you're like, you've been invited onto a bus or a train that's just riding on a, on a really sweet track and you just yeah. know it. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of knew it with Lost Boys that that that, that was kind of cool, but I wasn't going to get famous. I mean, I was going to have like, you know, people like on the subway going, yo, Lost Boy, right? Like that was going to happen. Right. Uh, but when Bill and Ted came out, it was it was a it was a, not like nothing I'd ever experienced, and I realized at that moment that I had not ever really wanted that kind of public scrutiny. You realize you didn't want that. I didn't really want it. It wasn't like I was it, I wasn't ungrateful for it. I was really grateful for how well the film the film did, and I was really grateful for the response to our performances. So it's kind of a weird abstract thing almost. It wasn't like, oh fame, please go away. It wasn't like it wasn't right. it wasn't like that. But it was just like, oh shit. Now like everywhere I go in the world, people know who I am all the time. Like 24-7. And what would people say to you? I mean people gen honestly, because the roles are so sweet, they're generally super great. 
Like it's, it really wasn't a hassle in that way. Like every once in a while you'd walk by a frat house where everyone was wasted and they would like chase you doing air guitar. And like, that was, <laughs> that was a pain in the ass, right? <laughs> yeah. But that was not the, like the normal people like, oh, you know, whatever. They come up and they, you know, be really sweet. Even if they say lines to the movie, I could care less. Um, but it was a shift in that now I sort of was like, oh, this is what fame is, I guess, you know? And yeah. I'd watched Joel Brenner and I'd watched, I'd been around famous people doing the Broadway shows, people who are really famous, not just us doing, you know, the, the roles that we had. Um, and it was suddenly, it was weird to be in that zone. Yeah. Did you audition for that? I did. Yeah. Just like anyone else. How many times? A gazillion. Really? Over, Keanu and I auditioned, we, we auditioned together the first time. Right. And then we got split off and then we were auditioning against other people for a really long time. And then we, they pulled us back in and they did this weird marathon day. Like, I'm not even sure like the unions would allow it anymore because it's really kind of like that movie, They Shoot Horses, don't they? A little bit. Right, yeah. Um, it was so kind of sadistic and weird, but like they did this like eight hour audition where like they just had all of the different Bill and Ted's that were left auditioning until they were just, they would just literally walk out and get rid of the ones they didn't want until it was literally just like three of us left. Was it intimidating? It was depressing because these were all of your friends. Like, you know what it's like to audition. Yeah. Like this, this is your friend group. You know, when you're young, like when you're in your twenties in LA, none of you are from LA. Like I was from New York. Keanu was from Toronto. No one else was from here. Right. So we were all buddies. Cause we were like all like had PTSD together. Right? Like yeah. Work in the audition circuit and, li and move living in some shithole and wherever we were. Um, and then one by one, they started like, you know, coming out and shooting them in the head, like, you know, and then it was like, Jesus. Uh, and then there was like, maybe it wasn't enough of us left to think we had it, which was even weirder. It was like maybe three of us that were all like eyeballs. It was like the end of like the hateful eight or something. Like a, all, all, <laughs> left? all eyeballing each other. Like, all right, well, there's two parts here. There's three of us. That's not going to work, but. I don't know. Maybe none of us are going to get cast. Hollywood's fucking weird. You know, what other stars were up for this? I really don't remember. You don't remember any of the guys that were in the room. That I mean, day? I only know because it's gotten written about since then. That oh. Like Pauly Shore went out for it or different people say they went out for it. Um, I, I can't remember. I mean, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of my friends, a lot of people from the business that I knew. And, um, there was one actor who I don't, I don't remember his name because I didn't actually know him who was like, who was really, really good, actually, um, in my opinion. Like, had I had been the director, I probably would have cast him instead of one of us, uh, who didn't end up getting it for some reason. But uh, it was a weird, painful, strange process. But it was, you know, auditioning is, it's it's hard. It's, it's hard. like, and honest to God, like, now these guys are all, like, my closest friends, like Chris and Ed and Scott, the producer, and, like, Steve, Herrick. Like, Steve was 27 years old, you know? Chris and Ed were... When I was auditioning, I thought, oh, these are the grownups. They were maybe two or three years older than me. They'd never. How old were you? 22, maybe. Wow. Keanu was 23. And did maybe. you know how soon after that audition, that final with all the. Did you know? Not for a while. I think what oh. they did, Keanu and I were talking about this recently, trying to patch it together. He's got a better memory than I do. Mine is all effed up. But. Um, <laughs> He's like that brother you have that like corrects you all the time. I'm like, oh, remember when we did? He's like, no, actually what we did was blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, right, thank <laughs> you. Um, no, but he was like, 
his memory, I think, was that they called us into Interscope and then they told us there. And I do remember, I've told the story a trillion times, so it's not fresh anymore, but I do remember vividly that day of being in the offices at Interscope and I knew I had the part and Keanu was all forlorn and we'd kind of become friends by then because we'd been auditioning for so long and he played the bass and rode a motorcycle and I played the bass and rode a motorcycle. We just became buddies. But uh, he was all forlorn. I was like, what's your problem? He's like, well, I'm playing Ted and I thought it was Bill, you know? <laughs> And I was like, dude, there was honest to God, there was no fucking difference between these two characters. I'm happy. I, I'm more than happy to swap. Bro, he's like, no, no, it's cool. That's also very canon. It's like, oh, he didn't want to like no, random my brain. It's like, no, it's fine. good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, but uh, that's amazing. But I think that's when we kind of got told. Yeah. Wow. And how, again, did you know that this was, did you think, okay, this is something special? Honest, no. Lost Boys was the movie where I was like, wow, I'm in a big hit movie with this giant director. And like, you know, Jason was amazing and, and Kiefer is amazing. Like these actors who were so oh, yeah. good. And I came from New York theater. And so I knew Ed Herman already. I'd done yeah. a show at Manhattan Theater Club. I knew it's Ed. Great. I knew Diane a little bit. I knew Bernard Hughes from the New York theater scene. I was just like, these were titans of like New York theater, which was right. my scene. I was like, what the fuck are they even doing here? You know, in this movie with the oiled up sax player. And- <laughs> Um, so no, I, on Lost Boys, I was like, wow, this is Hollywood. Yeah. Like I'm in a Hollywood movie, you know, and I'd be doing scenes with Kiefer and I'd just be like, God, he's fucking great. You know, he's like, he's going to be a giant movie star. Yeah. And of course he was. Um, Bill and Ted was like the op opposite. You're like, well, here I we was go. like, Keanu and I'd be like, dude, we'd be like literally waiting for a take to start. We'd look at each other and be like, no one's ever going to see this fucking movie. You no, thought that? No one is ever in a million years ever gonna see this fucking movie and we had a like we didn't disparage it like we right. were having a you great tried. you kicked ass we were like and, but like steve's in his 20s and the writers are in their <laughs> 20s and like no one gave it was this weird indie movie that no one gave a shit about it and no one in town knew about it was low budget and it was like fucking, we didn't get paid much we didn't get paid hardly i got paid sixty five thousand dollars for bill and ted one. for three Be months before before commission and tax and everything i think i i think that money was spent like on paying back my student loans <laughs> and didn't touch my rent. Right. Um, so it was like, this is great. We're having, we put our all into it. We had fun acting. Yeah. We cared about it. We thought the writing was fucking awesome. We thought Steve was great, but we didn't think it was the era of HBO. Like we were like, this is going to be on HBO at like four in the morning. <laughs> like this is going to be sandwiched between like some TNA horror movie. After Goodbye Emmanuel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one is ever. And then sure enough, the movie, uh, the movie got scrapped. So we were called, we, we got a call from Scott, the producer going, this <laughs> is like after we made it, after they put it, but it's like, sorry guys, but no one's ever going to see this film. It's being shelved. And we were like, Oh, okay. And I went and did a little like period. Oops. Holy shit. Sorry. It's the ghost of, uh, of Dino De Laurentiis. I yeah. went and did this little movie in Italy um, after that with Laura Dern and Eric Stoltz. And they were like, and we shot some of the same locations. We'd just done Bill and Ted. We shot in the same castle that I did the, the Darth Vader fight with. And now I'm like playing this, you know, 19th century strange character with like in these fineries and all of the Bill and Ted signs were up and, and they were like, what is this fucking movie? I was like, no one's ever going to see this film, right? Um, and it got shelved and it sat on a shelf for a year. And then it got bought out at, like in a fire sale by Nelson. And then it, then it became a hit. So it was a very not Hollywood, not we're going to make it trajectory. And it wasn't until the release weekend 
when there was like a twofold ad in Variety that showed me and Keanu sitting on, on top of piles of cash. And it was like Bill and Ted giant hit or whatever the wording was. And I was like, oh, okay. But it took all the way up until then to think it was going to have any kind of life. And they probably worked on your deals for the next one right away. They're like, we yeah, we started it. talking this, about a sequel because it was it had been two years because it you know took us took them a year to post and then it sat for another year. So that's why there's a gap between the two. And you and Ken are still close friends. Yeah, super. I mean, I you know love him dearly. He's like, isn't that cool? I mean, I have some of those from from working with people in the past. Not a lot. I don't have. A, I don't have a lot. You know, you don't have a lot. Like you could yeah. become very bonded with a lot of folks on set, and then you know, kiss, kiss, goodbye. And yeah. You just and it's not. It isn't, it seems to the outside world to be disingenuous. It kind of, it isn't. You really do care about them while you're working, but you don't stay connected. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, and I worked with Keanu. I worked with him on a movie called Sweet November for a couple oh, of weeks. I remember that movie. And he was the, I played a transvestite and he was awesome. the sweetest. I mean, I, I rave about him. He yeah. is just like, I was like, can I call you Keanu? And he's like, you can call me whatever call you want. Exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever you like. Yeah. <laughs> and he was just so sweet. And it was like, yeah. it was so humbling that such a huge movie star is, you know, you hope that they're cool. You hope that sometimes they're not. You're, yeah. Your heroes are not like, but he genuinely, I feel like that. Yeah. He's, he is a genuinely good guy, but you know, it's, it's, we came up doing theater young yeah. we came from crazy artist families we both love good playwriting and good novels and we have just have a lot in common off screen right um but i'm you know i'm happy that he's kept his sanity through the journey that one has were you yeah. surprised that he wanted to do the third installment no because we all developed it together um, so you were like, it was a great process. We were having a barbecue at my house the night Chris and Ned pitched it to us. So we're just all, we've all been friends forever. Wow. So we were just at my place eating steak that I had cooked. And Chris and Ned were like, we got an idea for, and that was a dozen years before we made it. So it tells you how hard, it tells you like how Jeez. little interest there is in Hollywood for bill and ted movies usually that's crazy so yeah did you really were you at first when you first they first kind of pitched it where you're like ah come on no it's kind of the inverse because those guys don't none of us were of the mindset that we were ever going to make a third right. so it was not joking but it was almost like we have this idea for how to bring the guys back if anybody wanted to bring them back and we actually all thought it was a great idea it was a sort of like a christmas carol thing of just like what if bill and ted you just come in on them right now in their lives and they are exactly the age they're at and they're dads and they're not trying to be 16 and they're failures and <laughs> they have to go yeah. find the song they were supposed to write in all these different iterations of space time. And we were like, that's a great idea because it's, you know, <laughs> as being an actor, greedily, the first thing you think is like, can I actually play this? Right. Yeah. Like when you hear an idea, like, is this do it? Like, can I yeah. do this without oh. making a complete ass of myself? <laughs> yeah. 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 You know I mean? yeah, like, yeah. It's playable. Right. But I just get to be me. I don't have to try to be Bill at 16 or whatever. Um, it's ludicrous and it has heart. And yeah. so I think we thought, look, if we can pull it off and we all produced it. So it wasn't like we all then had to go to work and like, you know, Reeves is, is, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, talk about him in ways he probably doesn't like me to talk about, but he's, he's very good at producing, you know, it's like, you don't get to be on that level. Like, you know, you know, there's any of the folks you meet who, who act on that level, 
they're not just actors, you know, they're yeah. producers, they're writers. They don't take yeah. credit a lot, but they're like, they're in their writing scenes. They're, they, they know what the director needs to do. Like they're, they're very hardworking in that way. Yeah. And getting three off the ground was very hard work for all, all of us. Was it fun though? It was super fun and it was lovely and it was, it was our own animal to play with. So it wasn't like drudgery, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. How mm -hmm. did you, I know, cause you were always directing. You went to film school at a young age. You were doing that. Went and you, and I know you directed Freaked. Mm -hmm. I co-directed with Tom Stern. Yeah. Right. With Tom Stern, your good buddy from New York. The yeah. guys became friends and moved out to LA and were doing tons of shorts and things like that and working yeah. together. But you, um, you were, you were, do, you started doing commercials and things like that. Yeah. But did you always think, cause Freaked was like, again reviews were awesome and then yeah. it became a cult hit and then entertainment weekly called it top 10 comedies of the 90s yeah it was really like, sweet that had to feel really good yeah it did because the film was hard to make and it didn't get a big release because it was very weird and it got sort of caught up in a in a changeover at the studio um but it was great to make and i love the the life that it has today um, but I knew I was going to stop acting for a beat when that was done. And I didn't act again for over 10 years, like 15 years, I don't think. Did it upset you? Was that what it was? No, I was done after Bill and Ted 2. I kind of acted in Freak because it got it helped get it made. Because um, it was come, we sort of capitalized on the success of Bill and Ted to get the film financed. Um, I mean, Ricky is honestly the least interesting part. I mean, it's it's Elijah's movie, in my opinion. It's Randy Quay's movie. Right. Um, but it got the film made. So uh, I knew I was done. I knew I needed a break, but I knew I was going to come back to acting at some point. I just didn't know when. Right. But you started doing documentaries like in I the did. last, how many years have you been doing this? About a dozen now, about 12 years. And how many documentaries have you done? I'm crappy at stuff like this. I'd say seven, maybe eight. I mean, it seems to me, tell me if I'm wrong, that making a documentary is actually harder than making a film. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's almost like you know the ending, but you don't exactly know the ending. In the beginning, how are you going to start this movie? And things change constantly. And then you find that information which changes the arc or whatever storyline. It seems like it's a lot of tedious work. It's it's if you like research, it's not tedious. You love like, research. I love research. And if you like your subject, it's not tedious because you're just doing a deep dive into that subject and you live with that subject. I would say I'm I consider myself a, a character actor and I've always liked researching characters. Um, and it's been a very similar discipline for me as character acting work. You know, you just you when you're when you're acting, you know this, you know where you're going in terms of the script, obviously. But the whole secret to acting is to unlearn that, right? Like to, is to have spontaneity and to sort of yeah. not know where you're going. And docs are very similar in that way. So I was I found myself more attuned to them than I thought I was going to be like, oh, I can do this. Like research the shit out of it. And then I just trust the process is going to take me where I need to go. Just, just like acting. Right. You know, so it's more similar to acting than it is to directing narrative. Wow. I never looked for me. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've never done it, so I wouldn't know. Yeah. The Panama Papers, Trust Machine, the, the, the Frank Zappa documentary, which it was the first time the family gave you like personal, like archives of, and I mean, they must've really trusted you. 
I, with what I you spent were doing. a lot of time. I did two things. One is I was willing to walk away happily. Gail's a tough customer, and I didn't I didn't walk in with any arrogance that she was going to say yes. So I was ready to just walk away. Um, but I also I was willing to sort of earn her trust and to explain what my vision was and. And it happened to align with more of their sentiments, which I didn't know going in because I didn't know what their sentiments were. So that was just the luck of the draw when you're, it's like auditioning and you get the part. It's that sort of thing of like, you happen to be what they're looking for. Right. You know. Man, it's it's just awesome. I mean, you, what, what got you really into, so fascinated with the internet? And because it is fascinating. Yeah. But like you really break it down. Like you started to get into the web and, and all this stuff and Napster and all these things throughout the last decade, right? Yeah. And it just, that was where your focus completely went. Yeah. I found myself, um, you know, when I got out of the public eye in 93, um, I really wanted out of the public eye. I really wanted privacy. Um, and I thought this was kind of a weird thing until I met Will Wheaton and I, his story is so similar to he mine. He was in the podcast. He's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. He's so smart and such a lovely human being, but he did something similar to like, I, once I started interviewing child actors from my doc, Mara Wilson, similar, uh, not the internet per se, but like sort of leaving the industry intentionally sort of gathering herself, finding her own, her own vision and coming back. Will did go into technology and a much more. Uh, professional way than I did. But Will and I both kind of found the internet as a refuge from the public eye. And that's a very similar thing that I found real simpatico with him on. Cause I found these internet communities in the eighties that were even before I was, while I was still acting where I just felt comfortable. I was anonymous. I could speak freely. I was not known. I was not seen. I didn't know there were internet communities in the 80s. There were. There was no web yet. So right. there were like sort of BBS Usenet groups and, and they looked like text groups basically. But they were robust. There were thousands of people there. You'd make friends. You could share content just like what you could wow. end up doing just over dial-up. So for me, the internet was a refuge. It was a place to go where I felt sort of safe and anonymous and that grew into all the technology stuff. Uh, the YouTube effect doc. Yeah, that's the next doc that's coming out. This premiered at Tribeca mm -hmm. and got great reviews. Yeah, we've done good so far. Thank God. The film takes viewers on a timely and gripping journey inside the cloistered world of YouTube and parent Google. How much, again, how much research on this? A lot. <laughs> Watch the trailer, guys, for this, the YouTube effect. It, it looks amazing. I oh, can't thanks. wait to see. Where will it be coming out? Um, I'm not allowed to, to mention the distributor yet. Ah. We're, just, we're closing our deal right now, but it will be coming out. We will be mentioning that very soon. Um, and it will be coming out in early 2023, like in the right after new year, basically. What's your handle, by the way, they can always follow you. You should um, follow him anyway. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm winter on Twitter. So that's easy. Winter on Twitter. Yeah. Just my name winter. Oh, just at winter. Yeah. Just at winter. At winter. You got that. Yeah. They, it wasn't they, taken. No, they, I didn't seek it out. They actually, I was working on, I think it was on Bill and Ted press. Right. And one of the lovely people from Twitter film or whatever, like, you know, winter's available. Do you want it? I was like, sure. I'll take it. Um, wow. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram. I think I'm Alex winter without, the, I think it's A L X W I N T E R. Um, so I'm those, I mean, I'm mostly Twitter is kind of where I, I hang out, but right. it's pretty easy to find my stuff and we will definitely be blasting that out. What do you want to do next? Is it another doc? Is it a feature film? Do you want to go back into feature films? I'm developing a feature I'd really like to do. Um, feature, the feature world, as you know, now is pretty difficult. It's either superheroes. Yeah. Occasional horror movie. 
or yeah. docs. And this is an indie drama. So right. like, you know, good luck. I'll probably be back with you in 10 years talking about the same project. <laughs> and then um, I left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm still working on that. I have not given up hope, um, but I'm always developing docs. I have more doc, docs I'm developing and I'm acting. Um, I just uh, produced a film that I co-starred in uh, for Shudder. I love Shudder. Yeah, with Jonah Ray Rodriguez. What is it? Uh, it's called Destroy All Neighbors, and I'm under- Is it on Shutter now? No, we just finished shooting, so it won't be out probably till next Destroy Halloween. All Neighbors, is yeah. it really dark? It's a horror comedy, and Good. it's very much a comedy with horror. Um, I play a character buried under prosthetic makeup. Um, Amazing. So I don't look anything like How myself. hard is that? I love it. So it's like, I get claustrophobic. I don't, thank, thankfully, yeah. That's I really do enjoy it, which I think is probably not mentally right. I think your response is the correct one, the, the healthy one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, um, yeah. 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 But I, I do intend to do more acting um, and I'm, yeah, I'm developing a bunch of stuff, but we're looking, we're, we're always doing docs. So we're, we're looking at the next. What's time. your favorite doc of all time or top three? Um, that is really hard. Did you see the one which takes place in 1969 and it's like uh, a boat race across the world? around the it world really or whatever familiar. and like this one guy who's more like a weekend sailor it's called deep water i think uh -huh. and he gets on there and craziness ensues wow like you know where is he what is he doing wait a minute he's leading the pack people leave at different times it's a matter of how long it takes you it's breathtaking oh, i love it's that. fantastic yeah yeah it was like um yeah, that's amazing. I um, love, I mean, I love a lot of old docs. I love um, uh, Gimme Shelter and yeah. Yeah, I love Harlan County, USA. I love a lot of the political docs. Um, uh, Brett Morgan's new Bowie doc is amazing. Is that good? It's really, really good. It's, it's you know, also full archive access. Um, so he really had a deep dive. And I know from personal experience how hard that is to shape story out of that much media. Um, that's it's a really beautiful film. The Beatles doc was great, amazing. That was that's yeah. nine hours, very moving. And I wanted it to be twenty hours. Yeah, really moving. I just think to watch artists at work like that, and and to see the struggles, and to see the spontaneity, and to see songs just get pulled out of thin air, um, amazing. I love when George Harrison in the middle of it says, "They're all talking. They're going to take a lunch break," and George just goes, "Okay, I think I'm going to quit now. <laughs> I'm going to quit the band." You're like, what? And he just walks out. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. And Ringo comes off the best. Yeah. Like Ringo's just like, what are we doing? Yeah. What Whatever. Do yeah. And Yoko's just sitting there weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. like, what is she doing? Yeah. Isn't anybody getting annoyed while they're trying to come up with stuff? Yeah. And she's just staring and sitting there like just so weird. Yeah. But it's it's great. And you uh, realize no Ringo, no band, right? Like, I mean, you just watch him hold like quietly without ego just hold that whole damn thing together he holds it together i never had as much respect yeah. for him as i do after watching yeah this me too i came away it's like yeah he's like this is like a genius you know oh. all right this is this is quick this is uh it's my patron uh -huh. my patrons you have a patron account uh, yeah, I do. You do? Yeah. Where can they go to support you? Oh, no, I don't have my own. Oh, you know, no, I just I just follow and, and support folks on it. Oh, but the, this supports yeah. the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash inside These are the top tiers. They get to ask questions. So here we go. Shit talking with Alex Winter. Big Stevie W. This is rapid fire. Mm -hmm. What had a bigger effect on your career? Lost Boys, best vampire movie ever, or Bill and Ted? Bill and Ted. Yes. Yeah. Brandy D, was it easy for you to jump back into your character and sync back with Keanu? Uh, 
You sink back with Keanu, yes. Jump back in the character did actually take an enormous amount of work, but it was fun, but it wasn't easy per se. What did you do? Did you have to like just watch the old movies? I trained for like a year. I didn't actually. I was afraid I'd mimic myself too much, but I did a lot of a lot of physical work just trying to find this guy's body. He's, they're strange guys. Did you make yourself laugh? Yes. Did you laugh on set together constantly? Constantly. It's clowning. Who makes who laugh more? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to be immodest and say I make Keanu laugh more because I laughed my ass off the whole time. But at the end of the first week, we looked at each other and we were like, because we hadn't acted together in so long. We just hang out. It was like, it's really fun acting together. You yeah. really enjoyed it. It's just Genuinely really fun. enjoyed it. Yeah, we just riff. We finish each other's sentences. It's just, it's just, an, it's like being in a band where you like, where you groove. Is he yeah. sort of like Uncle Keanu to your kids? Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. all know him. Yeah, he comes and visits. Yeah, yeah. It's always fun to sort of watch <laughs> them get old enough to realize who he is because they never have no fucking idea otherwise. Until they get to a certain age, they're like, "Oh shit, it's that guy." Oh really? But so by then he's been they're... around like forever, and it's oh, you know, my too God. late. Yeah. Leanne, what was it like working with George Carlin? Did he crack any jokes when the camera wasn't rolling? Not at all. He was very somber offset. Very. It seems like that. I watched the George Carlin documentary yeah. that Judd Apatow just produced. Yeah. And Lovely man, but not like a yuck it up guy at all. Kind of dark, huh? Uh, dark and just very somber, you know, very sober, quiet guy. Were you bummed? No, I liked that because he was just so, he was so, he was very sincere and open. He wasn't cold. He was very, very warm. He was just quiet. Did he ever want to like go, hey, get my number. Let's keep in touch. We did. We did. I kept in touch with George. You did? Yeah. Yeah, we both did. Yeah. That's cool. That is really cool. Uh, Danny, awesome freaking guest, she says about oh, you. sweet. Are there any directors in particular that influenced Alex's own style as a director? Oh, God. So many, man. I mean, geez. Like all the way from Chaplin to David Lynch, right? I mean, there's just so many great filmmakers out there. Who's your favorite director of all time? You had to narrow it down. Uh, probably Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Yeah, or Kurosawa, one of the two. Those we two. were just talking about Kurosawa. Yeah. Our last guest was talking about Kurosawa. Yeah. Uh, what about Kubrick? I love Kubrick. I mean, what, you can't not love Kubrick. What's your favorite horror movie of all time? Uh, the Thing. You have the poster here. Signed that by one. Kurt. The, the Carpenter Thing would be my favorite. Oh, man. How yeah. good was that? Yeah. It's just, you. it's not ever not great no matter when you watch it. It's one of those. The best scene is when they're checking the blood. Amazing. Right. Yeah. And they get to the one guy. Can you get me out of this fucking chair? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's the best, the right? Best. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Talk uh, about a film that's like theater. I mean, it's like watching a Broadway play. It's like uh, 12 Angry Men with gore. Yeah. And what's his name was in it? The guy who goes, if you're suffering from diabetes, right. <laughs> get yourself some Quaker Oats. That's, that's a good one. Wilford Brimley? Wilford Brimley, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Raj, tell me about a time you struggled to keep control of a set and how you were able to work through it. Oof. Um, gosh, that has happened all the time. Um, you know, there are times when you're at your best and you do that. And there are times when you are not at your best when you do that, when it's two o'clock in the morning and you're very tired. Um, have you raised your voice? I have. And it's always the biggest bummer for me because I don't like it. You don't like yelling. I don't like it. I don't want my, my ADs doing it. I don't want anyone on set doing it. So when you do it, you're like, oh, right. I'm a human being. Um, now will you get me out of this fucking chair? <laughs> exactly right. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, DJ Kento. I want to know about shooting Freaked. What was it like? That movie is becoming more and more cult lately, and I love it. Oh, that's very sweet. Uh, it was amazing. We were 25 years old. We'd never shot 35 mil before. We were making a big studio movie with an incredible cast, with an army encampment of like four different giant makeup effects companies that each required massive tents. It was like working on a circus. 
um, with Randy Quaid, who was like, you know, one of the great actors. And it was just like a pinch yourself thing every day. It really was. It was some, it was hard as hell, you know, and I was in all that makeup, which was hard and I wasn't getting any sleep and the thing was ripping my mouth apart and whatever, but it was an extraordinary experience. Randy Quaid. Yeah. Did you see sort of like, if you look back, can you see like, I could see how that happened? Yes. Was he, you can, <laughs> what was it about him that when you were watching him, that was just a little bit off. I, I, I love him and I don't know him well enough to like be presumptuous about what's going on in right, there. Right, right. But I could see the beginning of what was going on in there. Um, there's just like, and it's, it's, he's so good. He's such a talented actor. He's such a smart guy. He's yeah. such a, he has such an, a great imaginative instinct creatively. Like when you're working with, when you're acting with him, he's just going to go somewhere you're not quite expecting. But there was always that kind of like, it could careen off the tracks at any second feeling, which in our film was exactly what the character is, right? right. In fact, in our film, he careens off the tracks. Right. Um, but he was very controlled. But there was always that like, you know, sometimes you'd be in a scene and be like, wow, like this guy, like any, any num volume number higher and it's going to almost be scary, you know? Really? And um, like his views and things like that? Do you no, remember them being like of off? Nothing. Nothing like that. No, not ideologically. Just just behaviorally. Right. Yeah. Ideal I mean, he was a very, very smart, interesting. Regular. I always loved Randy Quaid. Yeah. He wasn't like, he wasn't in the least bit sort of off kilter in his ideology when I was working with him. Who is, who have you been starstruck by? Well, I started very young. So I was starstruck by Yul Brynner, you know, who hired me because he, right. he was really directing those shows. He just didn't take credit. So he was at my audition. He hired me. He worked with me. Did like, you love Westworld? And I loved Westworld and I loved King and I, I loved yeah. all that stuff. Um, you know, Sandy, when I went and did Sandy, the, the show with Sandy, it was kind of the same thing. And then you start to, you know, realize that they're just human beings. But um, there's been, you know, there's been actors I've worked with that have just kind of like, you just go, oh shit. You know, yeah. I'm working with this person. I felt that way a little bit with Bernard Hughes, like with some of the really big theater folks that I've worked with, where you're just like, wow, these are just titans. Right. Um, I don't often feel that way anymore because I've just been around the industry so long. You don't get intimidated. I don't really. We're all, we've all kind of been in it and I know how hard the whole game is from all sides and that everybody's a person trying to like move along and survive, you know? Yeah. So I don't usually get intimidated unless someone's a bully. Yeah. You know, which have case, you had that? Of course. What do you do? How do you deal I with mean, the bully? When I was younger, I would sort of shut down and kind of, you know, just avoid the hell out of them. Today, I'm just, you know, you you deal with them like you would somebody who flips you off in a traffic infraction, right? Well, what do you do? Say, fuck you back? No, you sort of, <laughs> you try to minimize the situation and, and sort of, you, you do conflict resolution to the best of your ability. If it doesn't work, then you tell them to fuck off, I guess. That's right. Uh, that's I the guess last, so. That's, that's door number three, right? Yeah, I yeah. guess that is door number three. I mean, it's yeah. happened in my career. Have you ever told someone off? No, not on set. I just think I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you know. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to have that color my own experience. Yeah. You know? Do you do you get any anxiety? Sure, of course. Do you deal I'm with anxiety? Yeah. I mean, I meditate every day. Every day. I'm that guy. Yeah, every morning. That's what I've been doing for the last six weeks. Yeah, and yeah. I think it has been helping It's me. usually helpful. I've been doing that for a long time. It's very, very helpful. Um. And so, yeah, of course, there's a there's a million different things that one, you know, a lot of, you know, very, I work out a lot and very into diet and exercise and all that kind of stuff. Vegan? No, Vegetarian? I'm not. No, I, I would love to say I was. I think we're all headed that way, but I'm not. What do you eat every day? Like for breakfast, what would someone like you eat? Um, I'm normally eating like, like a protein shake or something relatively healthy in the morning, not a heavy carb load. 
And you really? Yeah. And you make your own shakes. I make my own shakes. And then for lunch, like salad, maybe again, not a heavy. If like if I'm gonna have carbs, I'll try to do that at lunch, but not a lot because then I'm bogged down for the rest of the day. See, my wife makes fun of me because like when I'm on set, I'll often tell the caterers like, don't overdo turkey because I don't want like the whole crew like zonked out on trip to fan. Yeah. Oh um, shit. And uh, so those things, I think they matter. I grew up with ADHD and like I, so I learned, you know, what I need, what my brain chemistry needs to, to be at its best. And diet is very important for ADHD. Do you want your kids to act? Uh, I do not. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I don't care what they do after college, but I really don't. How old are they now? Well, my eldest just graduated college. He's a painter. He just graduated from art school. Amazing. Really great. He's really, they're all really lovely. My middle kid is a uh, jazz trumpet. He's at, he's at college right now for jazz trumpet. Wow. Um, and my youngest, thankfully, is just a snot-nosed kid who likes to play, you know, on, on Discord. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. And none of them are in the business. Do you play instruments? I played bass for many, many years. That's right. Yeah. And then I had kids and I was like, I just want to, I do too many things. I need to stop. Something's got to fall off the truck. Did you and Keanu ever play together? All the time. No way. All the time. Still? We have, and he, he busts my chops for not having a bass anymore. So do my kids. If I had a bass, we'd be playing still. We used to, I mean, it was really hilarious, but all through Bill and Ted one, we had condos on, on, you know, one over the other. And we would just go and jam on du dual bass every night after we shot. Wow. And uh, we just jammed and jammed. Did and you jammed. ever play songs like covers? Um, Yeah, we would play stuff, but like we were both playing bass. Right, so you can't really, you know, it's kind of- <laughs> You're a little limited. Boom, you know? boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Just going back and forth. Yeah, and just, usually jamming or you have like a song on that you're jamming to or whatever. But. He never, you never hear about Keanu or you, like you ever getting in trouble. Really? We're pretty, I mean, we're both very, we're both very into the work, you know? We yeah. We both really do love the work. I mean, I love the work. And um, you never let alcohol or drugs get in, interfere with that? Not in that way. I mean, not that one has a choice, right, I think. Right, you right. know, I don't really view it as, you know, I don't really view addiction as, as a choice, obviously. But, um, you know, I look, I've lived life and I've dealt with my, my, my life and I've gotten to a point in my life and my age where, where, all is well, yeah. but all is not always well. And, and life sends you on curves and you got to adjust to them. And I've certainly had plenty of those, man. You, I wish I, I got to see things the way he does life. <laughs> I mean, I just, you just, I mean, you've done it, you've done it and you're doing it and you're still excited and passionate about all of it. Yeah. I'm great. I'm grateful for that. I guess I am like, I, I do feel very fortunate. I'm sure you do too. It's like, it's a tough business and to be in it and do things in it. You know, you feel very, you have a lot of, you end up with a lot of gratitude on a good day. Yeah. You know, I feel very grateful that I've gotten to do the acting I have and the directing I have. And it's a crazy business, you know. Check out the documentaries. The YouTube effect comes out sometime in the next couple of months. Early 2023. Early 2023. It looks yep. awesome. Watch the trailer. The YouTube effect. Also the Zappa, what is it called Zappa? It's called Zappa. It's on Hulu. The doc on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, what else should they say? Um, well, there's a lot out there. Panama Papers is on Hulu. Showbiz Kids is on HBO. Um, Besides and, YouTube Effect, that's out. What's your favorite doc that you've done that you're like, this is my best work? Um, I really, they're like that kids. I love them all. Like, I mean, Zappa is probably creatively the most satisfying. Showbiz Kids is thematically the most personal. It was almost an autobiography. Um, and that's, you know, in my heart, that's kind of like my favorite. I'm just so grateful that I got to do that. Um, 
talk about the industry from within the industry in such a in such a everyone was so vulnerable. Yeah. Um, but uh, but look, I'm really proud of these things I've acted and that are coming out. The thing I did for Lexi, this movie, Absolute Dominion for Netflix, that'll come out next year and destroy Absolute them. Dominion. Yeah. It's it's really cool on Netflix. Yeah. All right, and you just go to at Winter and you know you'll you find follow stuff. up of him promoting it. And what yeah. else? Uh, the other movie you're 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 yeah, producing. Yeah, Destroy right All now? Neighbors will come out. We'll Destroy All Neighbors. Yeah, it's a lot of fun on Shutter. Yeah, you know I have Shutter. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has been a real treat. Yeah, I appreciate great, you coming Michael. over and uh, yeah. feel like I know you. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, we're in the same foxhole, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna bring you a bass guitar and we're gonna jam. All right. We'll get uh, Gus. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, my kids are already pissed that I don't play, so it's got to happen. Got to get back into it, I man. do. Yeah, it is right. time. Good seeing you. You too, man. <laughs> All right. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Yeah, I, I love his stories. And you can tell he's very fond of Keanu. Yeah. You know, just yeah. a good friendship they've had over the years. And yeah. he, uh, what, didn't he say his, his son's like Keanu's godson? I can't remember. I believe, yeah. Because uh, we just didn't listen to it right now, but something like that. <laughs> or he calls him Uncle Keanu or something like that. You'll, yeah. I'm sure if you listen, you'll know and you're telling me I'm wrong. I wonder if I didn't bring it up because it might be a project he wanted, wants to forget. But because uh, he's doing that whole documentary on on YouTube and like the tech world yeah and all that um but he directed uh a movie for smosh the youtube personalities while i was while we were all working at the same company called defy media which went defunct in 2018 yeah um but it was like it was a movie like it was just these two guys from sacramento who've been doing youtube videos forever and they have like a social media empire and they made a movie it's not great right but uh alex winter directed it Really? He did. And I wonder if that got him started on his, um, or if that was part of his quest to uncover some YouTube conspiracies. Because yeah. he, he was, was deep in it. And it was like a, that was that was an interesting company to work for. And he's for. a great director. His docs are just exceptional. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and look, I'm sure you're going to do some stuff that's just like, you know, not mainstream or a little bit whatever, but. Uh, it was interesting. I didn't bring it up because I didn't. He might not want to. He might not want to remember that one. <laughs> but you know what? We all remember our, you know, things that didn't. You know, I love my movie back in the day. I think it's hilarious. A lot of people love it, but then there's half that probably don't think it's too raunchy. It's too whatever. I made the movie I wanted to make. You know, there you and, go. And I learned from it. And that's all you can do. That's good. That's all you can do is learn. Yeah. Learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Anywho, uh, I hope you guys like that. Um, uh, subscribe, write a review, tell us what you think, follow us on the handles. And um, I think that's it. We're going to the con. So look on Twitter, Columbus this weekend, uh, then Pittsburgh. We're doing Smallville Nights. 
Come join Sunspin.com, the new album. You can get it signed. Uh, we'll be streaming eventually. But if you want a cool keepsake, autographed or not, it's there. Go to the Inside You Online store for cool merch and all that. Thanks for all of you and your listening listenership. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, we went to a concert the other night. We went to the Depeche Mode cover band. I dragged about 15 friends. Well, it was fun, wasn't it? It was fun, yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm never going to seek out Depeche Mode independently. So that, for me, was like going to a Depeche Mode concert. That's as close as I'm going to right. get. So, yeah. It seemed like everybody had a really good time. It was fun. We had like a nice little space. Yeah, except one friend. I won't say who it is, but he was on a date. Oh, no. Yeah, don't say his name. Oh, no. I heard, though. Yeah. But on a date, and he says, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And he goes to the bathroom. And he comes back and she's gone. And he texts her and says, hey, where are you? She says, I'm in an Uber. I had to leave. <laughs> just oh, left. No. Just sucked. Yeah, and I had a really weird thing too. Um, so I went and bumped into my ex-girlfriend. And I thought we were on great terms like we are. Oh, she at the Depeche Mode? Yeah. She was there? I'll just say she was there. I'm uh -huh. not going to say what she was doing or whatever. And, you know, she had emailed me a couple, like maybe a couple weeks ago and said, you know, just nice. And she was like, I still want to, you know, I hope we could be friends and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Great. So I see her and I just walked up to her and I go, hey. And she looked at me and she froze and her eyes, it lit up like I think she was happy to see me, but then goes, hey, I hope you have a good time tonight. And I go, uh, okay. And I just walked away. I could tell she did not want to engage. I she, could just tell. And then I talked to my buddy and goes, her boyfriend was right behind her with her. Oh. That I didn't see. And supposedly he was jealous of me, I guess, because mm. she talked about our friendship. or I, I don't know. That and also if if your ex just kind of shows up and you're not emotionally geared up for it, she knew going, I, she knew I was going to be there. I, should, I mean, she should, knew I was going to be there. I always go every year. I should probably hoping that there were enough people there that it was just, it was just kind of like, I didn't know that person. Ugh. It was just so weird. Cause she's so nice and friendly and we were on, we're on great terms. But all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, why do I feel like I'm a weirdo here? It just was really awkward. And I thought for sure she'd send me an email the next day apologizing, saying, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know what to do because, you know, I was with my blah, blah. And I, I didn't get that. And I was just like, huh. Well, I'm not reaching out. I'm giving you a fuck it. Oh. That's life. That is life. It is. It's just it was a fun, comfortable moment. That is a little slice of life. But it didn't take me away from having a great time. I had a great time with my friends, and I let time. it go pretty quickly. It was a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. So, hey, thanks for being here, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Thanks for watching. Uh, I am Michael Rosenbaum in the Hollywood Hills of California. You got to read the patrons. Uh, but first, I'm going to read the top tier <laughs> patrons. Here we go. I couldn't do the show without you. You know that. Uh, thank you for sticking around. You know, I, I noticed, I mean, it's sort of like a weird environment and uh, economically. And there's a lot of people that have hung around and stuck with me. And then there's, you know, I could see it. Some some have left 
And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know, what can I do to keep them around? I guess it's like, you know, I hope I'm not doing anything wrong and I hope they're sticking around because they love supporting the podcast and hopefully it's enough and the Patreon you're enjoying. And I try to make the boxes plentiful <laughs> if I can. Shout outs. Nancy D, Leah S, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Nico P. Just saw Brian H at the Depeche Mode concert. Nice. Nico P, Robert B, Jason W, Sophie M, Raj C, Joshua D, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jamal F, Janelle B, Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 more, Santiago M, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda N, Chris uh, R, H, H, Dave H, correct, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray A, correct, <laughs> Tabitha T, Tom N, Liliana A, Talia M, Betsy. D. Chad. D. L. L. Dan. I don't know. N. No. Big Stevie. W. Angel. M. Yep. N. M. M. Rhiannon. C. Corey. L. K. K. Dev. Nexon. Michelle. K. A. A. Jeremy. R. C. Correct. Gavinator. David. C. Yes. John. C. B. Oh. Brandy. L. D. D. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember David C, John B, Brandy D. Huh. You won't. Okay. Camille S, Joey M, Eugene and Leah, Nikki G, Corey, Patricia, Heather L, Jake B, Megan T, Mel S, Orlando C, Caroline R, Christine S. I don't know if uh, Kristen was on there. Kristen Keo, you on there? Oh. I'm just saying her name anyway because I love her. Sarah S, Eric H, Shane R, M, R, Andrew M, Zadoichi, 77, Oracle, Karina N, Amanda R, Amanda S, Jen B, Kevin E, Stephanie K, Lena 82, Jarrell, Billy S, ADHD Rocks, Todd, <laughs> Luna R, and I believe that's all I have. Also want to say if you, I, I think at this point, probably at the end of the episode, the patron, people have left and the patrons are sticking around a lot, a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So guys, I love you. I don't know what else to say. Thank you for sticking with me and sticking with the podcast. Hopefully I'm doing this at least till next July or August. So hopefully if hopefully we'll stick around, hopefully we'll get to do another year after that. We'll see. But thanks for your help uh, from the Hollywood Hills in Hollywood, California. I'm Michael Rosenbaum. I'm Ryan Tays. Wave to the camera, Ryan. Bye. We love you. And remember it, Ryan. Yeah. Oh, what? Always hold on to small No. No. What? Be. Be good to yourself. Be good to yourself. Okay. Be good to yourself. It's most important. It's hard sometimes. Just be good to yourself. Give yourself a break. We'll see you next week. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen.